Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bosch. The number of clean diesel models in North America will double by 2014. Bosch Clean Diesel. Good, clean, fun. Bridgestone. Your journey, our passion. And by Dow Automotive Systems. Improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. This is AutoLine Daily kicking off a new week of news about the automotive industry and with a hauntingly intriguing film from over 100 years ago that's coming up after the break. But for now, the news. China really wants to see its domestic auto industry grow, even if that means taking business away from foreign automakers. Last week, China announced that it would no longer favor foreign automakers building more plants in the country. That really hurts Ford and other automakers who have been slow getting in there. Now the Chinese government says it will only buy domestic brands for government cars. Currently, foreign brands account for 80% of that segment, worth about $13 billion a year. And that segment is dominated by Audi, with GM getting another chunk of the business. Just to give you an idea of the size of that market, there are over 5 million government cars in China. Of all the brands that Fiat got when it bought Chrysler, it has always seen Jeep as the gem of the group. Sergio Marchionne speaks glowingly of the brand and how much they can boost sales around the world. Now comes word that Fiat will build two plants in Russia to make Jeeps. The deal was signed with Sparebank, the largest credit institution in Russia that is also controlled by the Russian government. You may recall that it was involved in Magna's attempt to buy Opel from General Motors a few years back. Speaking of Russia, Toyota's launching a luxury minivan there. Called the Alphard, it's only been sold in Asia so far. According to wardsauto.com, it'll be powered by a 3.5 liter V6 engine and will feature an eye-watering price of $83,000. Hey, is it me or does this thing remind you of the Toyota Previa minivan from the 1990s? California is import country. It's the largest vehicle market in the U.S. and it's dominated by Toyota, Honda and the like. Buyers have not been very kind to the Detroit 3 over the last few decades. As recently as 2010, Chrysler got clobbered, selling fewer than 31,000 vehicles there. But it hasn't given up on the Golden State. It's been making a big push to regain a toehold. It's opened 17 new dealerships and 20 Fiat Studios there, plus a new California-specific business center located in Irvine. The effort seems to be paying off. Retail registrations were up 55% last year to nearly 51,000 units. That's a healthy improvement, but it's still nowhere near where it needs to be. Nissan's Murano Cross Cabriolet has been panned by most critics. White elephant, blunder, mistake are words that crop up in most reviews. But watch out, Cross Cab, you're about to get some serious competition. Joining the fray for convertible crossovers, Range Rover will show off a roofless Evoque concept at next month's Geneva Motor Show. It follows exactly the same formula as the Nissan, two doors, ungainly proportions, and horizon-to-horizon -horizon views. You know, some things just weren't meant to sell in big volumes, like a coupe with sliding doors, and convertible crossovers can be added to that list. 
Coming up next, we're going to take a look at a film from over 100 years ago that's fascinating, informative, and haunting all at the same time. Look at this. Bridgestone's using natural rubber, researching ways to enhance its quality and performance, and making their factories more environmentally friendly, producing products that save on fuel and emissions, and some that can be reused again, and promoting eco-friendly and safety driving campaigns. One team, one planet. Bridgestone. Maybe you've seen the film I'm about to show you before. 60 Minutes did a piece on it. Wikipedia has an entry about it, and some automotive historians are very familiar with it. But even if you've never heard about it before, I'll bet you find it fascinating. This film was shot in April of 1906 in San Francisco by three film pioneers, three brothers, the Miles brothers, Harry, Herbert, and Earl. They were pioneers in using 35mm film and figured out how to modify their cameras to shoot longer segments than anyone else was doing over 100 years ago. They mounted one of their cameras on the front of a cable car in San Francisco and let it run while the cable car rumbled down the street. Watching what a typical street scene from 1906 looks like is really captivating. It's surprising to see how many cars there are. Historians have identified models from the Middleton Car Company, from Autocar, and the Reliance Automobile Company. And notice how they all have the steering wheel on the right-hand side. In fact, all the drivers of the horse carts are also sitting on the right-hand side. Left-hand steering really did not become popular until around 1910. But historians also noticed that it's the same cars that keep running past the cable car. Obviously, the Miles brothers hired the owners to keep driving their horseless carriages past the cable car to make it look like there were a lot more of them in the city. After shooting their film, the Miles brothers brought it back to their studio, developed it, packed it up, and shipped it by train to New York City for movie theaters there. That was on April 17, 1906. The very next day, the Great San Francisco earthquake hit flattening just about every building you see in this film or burning them to the ground. And I want to thank David Keene, a film historian in the Bay Area, for filling me in on all the details. And that brings us to the end of today's report. Thanks for watching and please join us again tomorrow.